Hey, Adam, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right, cool. I can hear you this time. Yep, okay. Hey, uh, hey everyone, welcome in. This is Two Cents Sports Talk. I'm your host, Adam Katulak, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Crum. What's going on? Hey, just yeah. a disclaimer, Adam. I wanted to say how uh, for our avid listeners out there, because I know <laughs> there's many, um, yeah. that last episode, during the end of the uh, episode, for some reason, Adam was on a little bit of a delay, and I was sped up, so it seemed like I was like completely talking over Adam half the time. So I just want to make an apology to Adam, but okay, that that was not that was not meant to happen. So I'm not that rude, right? All right. Th- thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I got to make sure those uh, All right. those two people out there know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, they were going to talk about trades pretty much and just what our opinions are of them. And the most recent trade in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, we're just going to give our opinion on what both teams gained from that. Uh, maybe a little bit what Dero- what we think of DeRozan and, you know, loyalty there from the GM and just overall thoughts on trade. So to begin, we're going to talk about the trade uh, between the Spurs and the Raptors, which sent Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan, J- uh, Jacob, uh, Potel and uh, protected round pick to the Spurs. So with that, I'm going to pass it to Brian and let's hear your initial thoughts of that. Of that. Uh, my initial thoughts. Well, I woke up and I forget what day it happened, but it was it was last week, and I I woke up to the notification on my phone from the ESPN app. I've been waking up at like 5:30, so I was pretty surprised to be waking up to that news. I I was blown away. I did not expect the Toronto Raptors to be the team pulling this off in the end. I mean, I know that they were they were sitting in like the uh, top four teams, I guess, to kind of make a run on Kawhi. Mm-hmm. I, if you would have told me at the start of the summer that it was going to be the Raptors, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, that being said, I have mixed feelings on this trade. Uh, a lot of people seem to be saying that the Raptors won this deal. And I think that they, I like it from their standpoint because we've seen, even though LeBron's gone, we've seen from the past that the Raptors have disappointed during the playoffs, regardless of their regular season success and the whole uh, DeRozan Lowry backcourt just wasn't quite enough to get over the hump. So regardless of LeBron being gone, I mean, we saw that the Boston Celtics took the Cavs to seven games without Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. And we've seen the Golden State Warriors beat the Cavs consistently the past two years in a row. So I don't think that you can really say since LeBron's gone, they should have saw this out and uh, really see what their potential is because I think we still know what they're, that they've kind of hit their ceiling, you know? Yeah. So that being said, I think upgrading from DeRozan to Kawhi is a huge upgrade. And I think that they're honestly, they could be considered the best team in the East now. Um, I think they're right up there with, with Boston because all they really did is they made a swap of Kawhi for DeRozan, which is a major improvement. Kawhi's a top three player in the league. He's the only guy who can really lock down a KD or a LeBron. So um, it just gives them length and versatility and 
I mean, they lost their their other role player. I I can't remember his name. I, Adam, you had a little trouble pronouncing it, but he he was a role player, but he was a back end role player. So they still have all their role players and all their youth. Um, and even if Kawhi walks after this year, then it's still a major success for Toronto to be making it to the finals. And the the last point, sorry, I'll be done. But the last point is that you know, regardless of your thoughts on DeRozan, but uh, they did just offer him. He they locked him in for a five-year, like one hundred thirty-five million dollar contract last summer. Mm-hmm. So, if that wasn't going to work between him and Kyle Lowry, then they they got a beautiful out of that to see what their what their potential is with a high-caliber all-star like a, like a Kawhi, and then they get to continue their rebuilding process with their young talent. So that's that's my yeah. viewpoint from Toronto standpoint. Um, and then from the Spurs standpoint, I think that they would have done better by trying to rebuild. But uh, whenever you have Greg Popovich as your head coach and the fact that he's probably going to be out here in the next five years, Greg Pop doesn't want to start from the bottom up. You know, he's he's got to have quality players. So they needed to make another an all-star for an all-star type swap. And that so it makes sense from that standpoint. But yeah. So that's my overall thoughts, Adam. What's yours? Yeah. Um, my first – my initial reaction whenever uh, I heard, saw the news was I thought that uh, Toronto actually got ripped off, you know, just because uh, the, the, all the leverage was for Toronto early on. You know, Kawhi's going to leave in a year regardless. He, must, probably, he wants to play with the Lakers and stuff. And then I thought back for a second. I like, you know I, – I like the saying uh, good and aggressive is better than great and passive – and uh, I, I think that we saw that with Paul George, you know, especially I'm a Oklahoma City Thunder fan. I'm just – whenever Paul George committed, it showed, okay, well, good and aggressive ended up prevailing because Paul George didn't even yeah. have OKC on the radar at all when he was traded there initially. And that Absolutely. was just a huge get for them. And L.A. was really passive. I mean, that's a great city to live in. It's obviously home. He said it wanted, he wants to go there. They had a great opportunity to get him, but they were really passive. And I, I don't know if I uh, – I'm not a huge fan of being the passive. You know, I like being aggressive yeah. and – uh, for the most part, but with this trade, I think that it's a win-win for both teams. I really enjoyed just watching um, how they both operated and stuff. So just seeing how Toronto was the first seed last year with 59 wins, and they upgrade from maybe a top 20 player, top tw- top 30 overall player uh, with DeRozan to Kawhi Leonard, if one fully healthy, can guard in anyone is just as good as anyone on the court. So that's just a big-time upgrade, especially when you're competing with the uh, Boston Celtics and the 76ers in the East. Because before this trade, I wasn't even considering them really a contender. You know, right. they got swept back-to-back years, I believe, by the Cavs. So it's like, okay, we'll see how good they are, especially whenever Boston's getting two stars back and exactly. Philly's young core is getting older. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I would rate them in the East right now. I mean, there's those are the top three teams, obviously, in the East. You know, and we saw what one player could do, especially of that caliber, and LeBron James exactly. carrying a team to the finals four years in a row. So if you get a Kawhi, you don't know. I mean, they, he could be able to carry them, you know. It's going to be difficult because Kyrie Irving's also a clutch player, and Gordon Hayward to that young core of Boston. I feel, I still feel like they're favorites, but, I mean, Kawhi's going to give them a huge lift from where they were last year. So I, I really like that. And then the Spurs perspective, they were the seventh seed last year, uh, and they were two games out of the third seed. So if you – and they, they had not quiet for nine games. So let's add DeRozan to that team exactly. for a whole year. Exactly. They could potentially be the third seed. You know, I mean, is he worth – is DeRozan worth two wins from last year? I, I mean, he is I, in my mind, you know. So that's also something where they can be 
somewhat competitive. I mean, they're not going to be as competitive if they could just have kept Kawhi, but, I mean, they didn't really have him last year. So that's something I saw that I really enjoyed out of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, but they do, that, lose uh, they do lose Danny. <laughs> they do lose Danny. They do lose Danny, yeah. But, they're uh, going to be a mid-range shooting team. I, I don't know. But so I, I pretty agree much with what you. they did was they they lost Dan Rosen, you know that's lost Danny and added Rosen from last year's team because Kawhi right, only played nine right. games, so that's pretty much what happened. So I still think that the they team got another game big man role player too. The the role player that they got, I mean, even though he was on the lower yeah, end another of, first their, round pick. of their rotation, like he was a twenty sixteen. Uh, I believe he was eighth or ninth pick overall, and he's like a seven foot one guy. So um, mm-hmm. that's another good rotational player for them. Yeah. But they did lose perimeter shooting and perimeter defense with mm-hmm. Danny Green and uh, Kawhi being their best in both of those categories. And they lost Tony Parker to free agency, but he was yeah. he was injured for most of the season anyways, and he was starting to take a backseat to Dejounte Murray. Do they mm-hmm. still have? So I was looking at it the same way that you were, yeah. where it's just like, all right, well, they made it as a seven seed, you know, exactly what you said, just like two games out from the third seed. And mm-hmm. now you add a DeRozan and another role player and you lose a Danny Green. I think that they're better than last year, but the West itself is also better. So I don't know. I don't know. It makes sense for Pop, though. Yeah. I think the West is, itself is better, but I think it's a – yeah, it makes I, sense for I'm Pop because he's probably only one or two years anyway. So, draft you know. pick is, like, top 20 protected, too. Like, I mean, I don't think that will become a factor because I think they'll, Toronto will uh, be, a, be in the top 10 of the league this year. But I'm surprised that the Spurs didn't have more leverage to get more out of that. I mean, Kawhi's like a generational-type player, you know. Even if he's on a one-year contract, like, obviously they're willing to roll the dice. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised that San Antonio didn't milk them for a little more, you know. I think the fact that DeRozan signed a little bit longer has something to do with that, you know, because, okay, now we have our security. We have a guy we can build around for the next at least few years. We're comfortable with this. We don't want to screw it up with just nickel and diming, you know what I mean, especially when we're expecting Toronto to be a lot better, especially if Kawhi plays, you know. That's pretty much – I think that's what their thought process yeah. was there. Yeah. You know, but I uh, want to transition a little bit to uh, what are your thoughts on DeRozan, you know, and talking about loyalty and stuff after he signed that five-year deal, I think you said in uh, 2016. What are your thoughts on him, you know, ha- saying at Summer League, the GM told him he's secure. We're going to build around you in the future. You're not going anywhere. What are your Ooh, thoughts think, on that overall? You know, no one likes being lied to. Like, it's plain and simple. No one does like being lied to. I'm <clears> sure <throat> that conversation happened. Um, and we we hear this over and over again, you know, where it's it goes both ways. You know, the player can choose to, to leave like, a, like LeBron has done three times <laughs> to his teams. Um, and then – yeah, the management has the same option. Whenever you whenever you sign a contract, they they have control of that contract. You're really, it's a business. You know, everyone says mm-hmm. that it's a business, and I look at it as these guys. Yeah. It, like if you're working for a a five hundred, um, if you're working for a top company, right, like a Johnson Johnson, let's say, they have they have yeah. multiple sites 
across okay. the country, you know, and sometimes they will, they have the right to assign you mm-hmm. to, uh, to transfer you to another company. Right. I look at it as these guys are, these guys, their company yeah. is the NBA, you know, it's not just one franchise. Each franchise is kind of yeah. working for this NBA. So I think that they realize that going in and they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate to feel betrayed by someone who you feel like you have a, a close and honest relationship. But so mm-hmm. I understand that spite, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's just the evils of business, you know? What do you think? Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, I for one don't, uh, I don't have much, you know, sympathy for DeRozan, you know, and being like, oh, I was supposed to be loyal or anything like that. I mean, Bio's getting paid $31 million a year. You know, that's just like any average Joe pretty much. I'll move anywhere. Right. I'll go to Alaska. I'll go, you know, anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So it's all right. But uh, I just think, you know, it's, it's part of the game. You know, you sign the contract and stuff, and teams have to do what's best for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is – when you have a franchise player like Kawhi Leonard and you think you have a chance of retaining him, it it's in the best interest of your team, your fan base – you know, financially just to do it, you know, go for it. Like I said earlier, good and aggressive beats, you know, great and passive. I mean, you have to take a shot to, to elevate it, you know. It, and, I mean, they just fired uh, Dwayne Casey, right? And he was coach of the year. They just fired him recently. So you have to make moves. You can't just do that and be like, okay, we're going to go in the same lineup, same everything, you know. We're not going to change anything. We just need to get rid of the coach. That's not, you know, fully it. We need to really try to try to do something, you know, we need to try to elevate ourselves. We feel the pressure. We want to do win. We want to win, you know, and the owner has been looking for a star consistently, a superstar consistently. And he found one here, you know, I, I don't see any problem with it. You know, you signed the contract, you could have done a year shorter and got a no trade clause if you wanted, but you know, he obviously went for more security and went longer deals and he'll be also be living in, uh, in Texas, which has low, uh, no state income tax compared to Toronto, which is a little higher. And you're going to be, you know, so we end up keeping more of the money anyway. And it's not a terrible place to live with one of the best coaches, at least best coach in our uh, generation, other than like Phil Jackson, you know? So I don't really see, you know, too many downsides of going to San Antonio other than like, I mean, you have your home and you're set up and your family's in exactly. Toronto, but I mean, when you're getting paid 31 million and other families across the uh, United States have to move for their company and they don't really have a choice at all. And they can't be like, well, I don't feel, you know, loyal or it's harder for them to, you know, sit back and, like, you can't say no pretty much. So, I mean, I don't see what the big deal is. A huge deal, you know what I mean? They, they sort of got blown out of proportion. Sometimes players, you know, they just – I mean, they're all flocked because they stick together, and that's how they should do it. It's like a union almost, you know. But I feel a little sympathy for Kawhi – or not Kawhi, DeMar uh, Rosen, just because the Toronto Raptors, it was it was completely business. I mean, they love him. They, they might put a statue out for him. You know, they're going to cheer for him when he comes back. They're going to really applaud him. But, I mean – it wasn't, it wasn't cutting it, you know, yeah. it wasn't cutting it. They had to switch it up. I mean, Dwayne Casey doesn't feel great either. You know, he was lucky enough to get a job, I think with uh, the Pistons, but I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, how, how do you, how did he feel? You know, they just caught him and he just, you know, it's just yeah. sort of like that. It was sort of embar- more embarrassing for Casey rather than DeRozan where it's like, okay, we get why they went for Leonard. So yeah. I don't really have much sympathy for uh, DeRozan. Yeah. I mean, if he was, you know, losing his money or whatever, then yeah, I would, but I mean, he's going to actually keep more of it. So it's all right. Exactly. It's and then uh, my last. Oh, oh I was just gonna say, like back to it being like a business, like like you were saying, uh, it's it's performance related. You know, a business is gonna do what's best <clears> for their company. So if you keep getting the re- re- same results, like you said, like your performance, you're getting paid for a higher performance. 
and you're not meeting that those standards, then it makes complete sense for your business to go out and make a a move that brings you a much better uh, employee, you know, in Kauai, like hands down, I, mm-hmm. if you ask anyone out there, would you do a trade centered around Kauai for uh, DeRozan? I guarantee everyone uh, emotions aside, maybe some Toronto fans would say otherwise, but emotions yeah. aside, it, yeah, Kai, er, Kauai is just a no brainer. So why not put your, put your business yeah. a bit, you do a blind uh, eye test, yeah. you know, like you just do. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just can't get and, emotions attached to it because, yeah. I mean, it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen um, in the NBA, but it is a business. And uh, you just have to mm-hmm. remember that. And like, again, no one likes being lied to. So I completely understand that and being having a personal grudge maybe against him. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I like these players have to make up their minds. They can't like – you know, you can't be flip-flopping where LeBron goes to uh, – he makes his choice to go to Miami and fans get pissed off at him and mm-hmm. him say, hey, it's a business. You know, there's no loyalty in it. It's a business. And yeah. then in for Kawhi and Paul George to be requesting trades and saying, hey, you know, it's a business. But then for a, another star player complaining that he was, you know, yeah. that he was cheated and treated wrong whenever – other players are telling the other narrative of like, Hey, it's a business. So we're going to play the game that way. You just have to know how to play the game. You have to understand it. So that's my final thought on that. Yeah. And then I'll uh, just to transition to one more thing on this topic is what do you think about Kawhi and what are the chances you think the Raptors can talk him into staying potentially? <sighs> that's a tough question. Cause it looks very, very slim right now, but you know, based on very, very recent history with Paul George. I don't know because, I don't know, the Paul George situation was a little bit better because you're pairing him up with a much greater superstar. Top five player, top ten player. Russell Westbrook, right? And you're still in states. Like, it's Oklahoma City, not great, but it's still, like, you're in the United States and you can, I don't know. It's it's Mm – it's not Toronto, which Toronto is a great city, but it's it's in Canada. The weather's different, you know, so on, so on. So, yeah, that being said, um, I think I have to increase my probability for him to stay just a little bit, just based on Paul George. But I think he's a different player than Paul George or he just has a different mindset than Paul George. I think that he has his mindset and the people around him have their mindset on getting him back to LA. So I w- at this moment, I would honestly give it a 10 to 15% chance that he stays in Toronto. Now that could, that could fluctuate throughout the season based on, you know, how well they're gelling and everything and uh, just how Toronto yeah. grows on him. But yeah, I'd give it 10 to 15%. And I feel like that's, that might even be higher than most. What, what do you think? I, I agree with that 10, 10 to 15% range as of right now. Maybe if they make another trade and they yeah. can get another superstar around him, like a Jimmy Butler or someone like that, then it'd be like, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, I mean, maybe they can work together yeah, and want to stay and it's build very something dependent together. on the performance too. Like if they, if they somehow, yeah, you know, pull off two wins and have a good series against a, uh, a golden state or whoever it may be in the, in the finals, then that may very well, um, that may very well entice him to stay, especially if 
he's getting that superstar treatment and role that he looked for, you know? So I think right now there's no way to tell. I think right now he would tell you he's going to LA for sure. But I think we will, we will only know how to gauge that after, uh, after their playoff performance. Yeah. And Toronto's a great city as well. So like, I mean, it's going to be, it's probably more popular city yeah, to live yeah, in than Oklahoma yeah. City, I would say. You know, it's probably, you know, more lively, more diverse. I guess everything going right. on there. It's so just a geographical awesome location, there. though. And then they're going to embrace him. The East, yeah. The East, he's obviously the best yeah. player in the East now. So that's something to say. You know, he's he been wants, going against the West competition consistently. Now he'll be the king of the East. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends what he – yeah. It depends what he wants, though. I mean, does he want to be in L.A., live that kind of lifestyle and stuff? Maybe get his shoe brand up because that's sort of a problem with him. You know, he's not getting paid as much as the other guy, players who have shoe deals um, as well. But, I mean, he, I think he can do that in Toronto. It's a diverse city. It's a great um, it's a great situation to play in. And if they could pull it off and go to the finals, potentially, we'll see. But, I mean, I don't know what matters most to him. You know, he doesn't talk a whole lot, so it's sort of hard to figure it out. Like, does winning matter the most? Like, is that all that matters? Or is it, you know, hey, I want to live in – LA and I feel like I can win anywhere you know it's just that kind of yeah uh, now what, what do you think about uh so, the potential for uh to, for Toronto to flip him by the trade deadline what do you think the the chances of that are do you think here do you I don't know if this is a good question but do you think that it's more likely that Toronto flips him by the trade deadline or that they don't and he stays in Toronto. Um, I think it's more likely that uh, they now, would do you think that that's in their line. plan at all, or do you think their plan is one hundred percent? Let's see what we can do with a superstar. I think the security blanket is, hey, we can get them to LA and probably get Brandon Ingram or Kuzma or someone like that, potentially, and just completely rebuild. Um. Right. From there, because you, you could know, get better assets or something, or trade them to the Clippers. I think that they could. Younger I think they could milk yeah, them for yeah. better so, assets yeah. than than San Antonio was, <clears throat> especially because they're they don't have that competitive yeah. uh, that competitive mindset of being worried about trading him back to the West. You know. Yeah, yeah, that and um. And the fact that I mean they're they're ready to rebuild. They're they're ready to right. rebuild if he does. A lot of you their know, they talent showed that is young. Just by saying, okay, we're going to trade to Rosen, where it's security yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I um, I think there's a higher chance of them moving him at the trade deadline than him staying as of right now. I would say they could like thirty percent they move him by the okay. trade deadline, or I'd, compared to uh, you know I'd ten fifteen percent of him staying. Now, this is I mean again we can't yeah. predict this at this point, but. What that being said, then yeah, what do you think the odds are that they keep him instead of uh, <clears throat> him staying for the playoff run? You know, regardless of what he chooses to do, would you, if you put it at thirty, would you say it's seventy that they keep him for the whole season? Yeah, I would say seventy percent. They they keep him the whole season and just yeah. try to I run mean, it out I and think, see what happens, see how far they can go. If they can make a run, odds. you know. I, I agree with you on that one at this moment i put it at 70 30 he stays the whole season yeah but i think toronto's in a good spot because yeah. yeah. they have a lot of power right now if he's healthy then they get to see mm-hmm. a wonderful beautiful season with a wide open east and if if not then mm-hmm. a lot of, regardless of his health and his status like 
he's a generational player and he's going to have high trade value um, come the trade deadline, you know, regardless, regardless, because yeah, a lot of exactly, teams right yeah. now are feeling that they missed out, you know? So when that, when that opportunity mm-hmm. comes around yeah. again, they realized how much they, they really wanted him, you know? So I think his value just rose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're close, you know, like if Philly's, you know, battling with Boston yeah, for once, yeah. you're like, okay, well, we can give up a few, a few pieces here, a few draft picks, and like, exactly. let's go for it, you know. Exactly. So, we'll see. All right, let's uh, transition to our next topic. Where just overall, what are our mindsets of how you win a trade, how you lose a trade, what you know goes into that, and when you anal- uh, when you analyze a trade, what what are your first thoughts, you know, coming from there? So, I mean, we can give an example of like the Kyrie Irving trade last year or something along those lines, Paul George trade, maybe, you know, what your first reaction and like, you know, take a step back for a few days. What do you thought after that for that? So you can pick one of those two topics or any other trade that you want. And then just try to tell me like how you determine someone won the trade or lost the trade. Maybe you can start with Kyrie Irving because it was like, it was seemed really even at first. And then it just like obviously split off okay. later into the season. So. Uh, yeah. So I'll just talk from a general standpoint, not using an example right now, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, That's I think right. that you kind of uh, presented this mindset to me and I, I like it a lot kind of through, through fantasy uh, sports, honestly, <laughs> but I think the ultimate way mm-hmm. to tell who won and who lost the trade is who, who got the more valuable player, who got the best talent out of the trade, regardless mm-hmm. of anything involved who got the best talent right away. So like, okay, now I'll go into example with the Kyrie Irving trade. Kyrie Irving was the best player in that trade. Boston Celtics win that trade. Um, Mm -hmm. In this trade, Toronto got the best player in Kawhi Leonard. Toronto wins that trade. That's the simple, Mm -hmm. simple overview for me. Then. And I would say that works for about like 80% of the trades, you know, it doesn't work for all of them always, you know, but like that for most, the majority of the trades, heavy majority that typically works. Whoever gets the best player. That being said, it comes down to what state is your franchise in? So if your franchise is in a win now Mm -hmm. state, then you just got the best player. Beautiful. Like you guys are ready to win right now and actually see that out. If you're a rebuilding team and you trade for a stud like that, then that's kind of, yeah, like yeah. Sacramento. Then like that's Sacramento. kind of a waste. You're yeah. giving up a lot of, like, beautiful assets for someone who may potentially stay for a year or who knows how long. And regardless of their contract length, <clears> if, <throat> like if they're going to demand a trade out or whatever, then it just doesn't – if it doesn't match your timeline, then it doesn't make sense. So um, I guess mm-hmm. best player. And then I would go value uh, – if it fits your timeline – um, then I just it'd probably go value. So the performance um, versus the contract, you know, you can get if you could get a uh, let's see, like a Carmelo, you know, for for twenty eight million dollars, yeah. and they're just trying to salary dump on you. Then it, even though he's probably a better player in that trade. Um, you still could lose out because then you're tied to a ridiculous contract that that player is not meeting his expected performance, you know? Here, here. Now, now that you brought yeah. up Melo, can I throw in something real quick here? 
Oh, I... Like the Schroeder trade, you know, with yeah. the Hawks and Thunder recently, I really liked it. I think Schroeder is probably the best player as of right now, you know, overall, like if you go back three or four years, probably Mellow. But with that, I want to say like they're going to cut Mellow regardless. You know what I mean? It's going to be cut Mellow or be able to trade him, you know, yeah. trade him and let another team buy him out. But with that, they're paying Schroeder $5 million more than what they were going to pay Mellow if, the, you know, for nothing, just like, wait, cutting wait. him. So I feel like that's, no, you know, that's kind of the value less, there, you know? Right? Did you miss? Go ahead. Misspeak. Well, no, shoot, no, Schroeder, uh, Schroeder's getting 15 a year, and they were going to pay Mello 9.3 million over the next three years. Like oh, 9. so you're 3, talking 9. 3, just 9. 3, by the yearly you know, but they're salary, gonna... the yearly mm-hmm. salary cap, not overall. Okay. Yeah, yearly salary, yearly salary. Right, if right. you if you stretch, if you stretch Mello, okay. you know, and keep Schroeder at where he's at, he's getting around five to six more per year. So that's basically what the Thunder are paying Schroeder compared and, and to what they were going to pay Mello for nothing. They're, much. they're paying so, like, Schroeder the... though, like uh, 13 million less than what they were paying Carmelo by the yearly salary. Like if they, what they yeah. were paying him last year, I think yeah. he's getting like 28 million or 29 million intruders on a $16 million deal. Yeah. So they're getting a better player, a better younger mm-hmm. player with a higher ceiling for a substantially cheaper. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. With the, um, regardless of if they bought Melo out or not, but. Yeah, but that's the with the value they're paying him five more million than or six more million than what they would have paid Melo if they just straight up cut him, which they're about to do. You know what I mean? So that's like that's the value you're talking about. Like you're not paying Shooter the full fifteen, I guess, compared to what you. Anyway, they're not paying. I mean, they are paying him fifteen million, but like they were gonna pay Melo nine point three to not play for him, so they might as well pay fifteen, which is like six yeah, more million exactly, for exactly. having Shooter to play for him. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the kind of value that you were talking about. Because you brought up Mel, I thought that would fit pretty yeah, well. Yeah, so keep per- going with the uh, value of uh, performance value, I guess. contracts. So, um, in that, I guess you have to for contract, you have to think about, uh, you know, just the amount of years and the significance of um, cap hit it's going to be. So, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, do you want to add on any more to that? So I, I would say yeah. here, the best player available. Um, who, whoever gets the best player, that's a win. Um, then the then from that you break it down to the value of the performance or the timeline, whether or not that valuable player fits your timeline and it makes sense, and you'll actually be able to win now with them. And then the value based on the performance um, versus their contract. So those three things, I guess, are the the main things that I, I'll quickly look at for a trade. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I agree with the first one, obviously. You know, the best player typically wins the trade. I would say like 80% of the time they win the trade. You know, if Kawhi leaves, I still think that the Raptors win the trade just because they went for it. You know, if Paul George left, I thought it was worth it because, I mean, you're not going to go – you're not going to elevate yourself. In my mind, you know, with what Victor Oladipo was showing while playing with Russell Westbrook, obviously he got in shape and a lot of that was attributed to Russ helping him, you know, showing him the way and stuff. But still, I don't think that Victor Oladipo is on the same level as Paul George yet. Sorry. So that's the kind of thing that – at that time, I thought that I thought that uh, OKC <clears throat> by far won that deal, but it's this is also to mention that mm-hmm. there can be win-win trades, you know, because based on the timeline. So, um, yeah, oh. OKC is ready to win now. So, again, uh, Paul George, that's a win for them because he's better than all Depot. But then for uh, for the Pacers, that's a win for them because they get a good young talent and they're not ready to win now, and they have they have time to. Uh, it matches their timeline. So um, it's possible to 
yeah, he just yeah. signed a big deal, it, and he went to Indiana. So there's also other factors that went into that. Uh, what state they're in. I think this Raptors trade as well, because leverage also plays a big role in most trades. You know, like San Antonio didn't have a whole lot of leverage because well, Kawhi was gone regardless of, you know, after this year for sure from San Antonio. He was not going to stay. I I gave that like maybe a 2% chance that he would have stayed, you know. So the leverage was hurt there, but they still got a, an all-star player in DeMar DeRozan, which they could add to their team that didn't really have Kawhi last year. So I feel like San Antonio also got a win yeah. in their situation, if that makes sense. Not like, you know, overall, if it was straight up, hey, Kawhi wants to stay here, they do that trade. That's a lose, obviously, for San Antonio. But, I mean, with what they, what the cards they were dealt, they played them to the best of their ability, getting an all-star, potentially top – I mean, I think top 30 player for sure, maybe top 20 overall player in the game. So, I feel like that's a big win for them. So, it's also, you know, expectations are like, I guess, the leverage a team has well, over something, you know. It goes back to uh, – it being it, – it all goes back to it being a business. You have to look at it like a business. So, it's just like stock trading, you know. So – if you need a a uh, yeah a lengthy small forward who is a D and three guy, then it's based on what's on the market, you know. So if there's not much value on the market, and yeah, you then you're forced to overpay for a less valuable player, then you know that's a lose because you you were forced to overpay because of the demand, you know, and. It also goes into mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, selling high and buying low kind of thing. So if you're, if you're, you have young talent that yeah. has a lot of a huge ceiling, um, and you sell high on them, then, you know, that could potentially be a win too. Um, and like with Mello, you could yeah. you could be buying really low on him. You know, like uh, with him getting bought out mm-hmm. and everything. Um, it's not a trade, but like in free agency, sign Mello to. I think Mello's a cancer, honestly. Having him on your team, I think it's it's kind of scary because you yeah. just see his track record. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily want Mello on my team, but if you could have him for a minimum, a veteran yeah. minimum contract, then I think that that's kind of a win because it's like the Boogie Cousins yeah. um, conversation that we were having, where if it doesn't work yep. out all right, then it was a, it was a low risk for you. You know, you're not losing too much um, in the long run. So. Mm-hmm. Same with Dwight Howard with the uh, Washington Wizards, you know, they're, it's, I mean, they, they need another spark and potentially having Dwight Howard in on a bet men contract or whatever, mid-level exception after he got bought out by the uh, Nets. That's yeah. also something that, you is know, he, is he on low a, risk, high reward, you know, if you can get everything out of him. I thought they actually paid him like 10 mil. I don't think I I'm pretty sure they're trying to get the cap. Like I don't know if they were able to. Contract actually, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, I'll but yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> but yeah, so. uh any thoughts on what the Lakers, you know, did just being a passive, like we talked about, or like I mentioned earlier, you know, not going after Paul George last year. Are they going to rue this decision potentially of just having Kawhi potentially stay in Toronto or going to the Clippers or going somewhere else? Or do you think they have a plan? Maybe LeBron's had conversations with Kawhi, said, hey, no matter what happens this year, come here. We're going to build this together. We're going to figure this out or something like that. What do you think, you know, of the Lakers being really passive in this situation, not giving up some of their assets or all of them or, you know what I mean, something along those lines? I have mixed feelings on it because um, I think that if Kawhi was to go to any team, 
well, not any team, but if he was to go to any competitive team, um, <clears throat> then I think him going to Toronto is a win for the Lakers because that's a completely opposite lifestyle of what Kawhi's looking for. I mean, yeah, you know, Toronto might be a nice city, but it's it's way up north. It's out of the United States. It's cold. Um, it's not sunshine and in, in California like Kawhi wants and it's in in his home yeah it's another yeah it's another, yeah, it's another country. country so I think that's a win for the <laughs> Lakers but yeah that being said uh you know to your point earlier with Paul George them missing out on Paul George even though he said he wanted to be traded to LA um like look at the history them being passive in that in that trade uh you know really bit them in the butt so you would think that they might be a little more aggressive uh, just based on their history and missing out on Paul George. Um, but also, it's they have a lot of young talent. So I think, I think what it came down to mm-hmm. was San Antonio really wanted them to include Ingram in that deal, and they weren't willing to part ways with them because Ingram is, you know, an up-and-coming stud. He's, he's like – He's 6'10", and he has the length, and he can shoot. And I think that yeah. a Kawhi and LeBron, as incredible of a duo that would be with how stacked Golden State is right now, I think that they they just saw it that they still need that extra help, like a keeping a Brandon Ingram uh, who has stardom potential, you know? So I think they're, they're definitely yeah. rolling the die here. I don't think that they're rolling it as much as they were against uh, with uh, letting Paul George betray the OKC, but I think that that should have incentivized them to be a bit more aggressive. Okay, I have two questions for you here. What would you have been comfortable? Okay, let's start with this. If Paul George went to LA, does that change your mindset at all yeah. as LA? Yep. Hey, let's go get Kawhi. We have two guys. We have two guys now. We go 100%. get someone. We we could we can compete. Yeah. Now. Okay. Because I think that changes George, your mind. LeBron James and Kawhi. Okay. That that's for sure a team that that could compete against Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I mean that's the best trio in the game. That would be the best trio in the game. I would rather have that than Curry, Durant, and Thompson or Green or whoever else is going to put there. I'd rather have those three. Okay. What about uh, what would you have given um, up? If, if I were the Lakers, Lakers for Kawhi, I would have given. Like what? What's the most you would have felt? I would have felt giving comfortable up? giving up uh, Josh Hart. I would have felt comfortable giving up um, Lonzo Ball and Jordan Clarkson. So I think th- those are their top and future draft picks. I think that 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 those are their uh, their top three highest value players, and then they have the assets of you know, first round draft picks. So I would have given up like maybe two firsts. So, and I, I would have, okay. I would have given you say up, that one more time. You said it came down to it. I would have given up Lonzo ball packaged with Josh Hart yeah. and packaged with mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson or not Jordan Clarkson. I'm sorry. Um, oh, shoot. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuzma, Kuzma. That's who I meant. Kuzma. Because I think Kuzma, Kuzma. okay, I, I like him, but I okay. think his value is, I think he's his value is way high right now, and I think it's going to drop. So, I would do those three, okay. and then I'd be willing to throw in like a first and a second. 
as long as I don't have to give up okay. Brandon Ingram. If I have to include Brandon Ingram with uh, Lonzo or with Kuzma in a number of draft picks, I'd be a lot less likely to do it because he's their one lengthy shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would – um. I'd be in the similar boat, but I have to probably actually keep Kuzma. I feel like I think the La- I think I heard the Lakers were more like more attached to Kuzma than they were Ingram, um, which I mean you might be right. And Kuzma was a you know he's a little older and he might have been closer to his ceiling than Ingram is. You know since he I think Ingram's like nineteen and Kuzma was like twenty twenty yeah. twenty one or twenty two I, I think so. Um, I could see that, but I mean I I, I don't know if I could give them both. Let's put it that way. You know Ingram and Kuzma that's sort of difficult, but I I feel like if I if I had to, I just give up like Kuzma and Ingram, kept Ball, kept Hart. I probably would have done that just because Kawhi. He would have signed long term. We have him for good, and we can really start ramping this thing up with Josh Hart, uh, Lonzo, LeBron, uh, Kawhi, and you just go from there. Pretty much in my mind. I mean, I know that's a lot of talent and stuff, but I feel like that would have been worth it for a generational talent like we talked about with Kawhi. And LeBron's getting older. You know, he's 33. He'll be 34 midway through the season. You don't want to waste too many years, especially it's the first year in L.A. And you just, I mean, LeBron's going to be a splash, but, like, this is like, okay, now they're, you know, up there pretty much. I would say at least the two seed, you know. If you have Kawhi and LeBron on the same team, you keep a ball See, and a heart kind of ball out there with them. That's just, like, emotions getting involved in business again. I think Kuzma <clears> had a fantastic rookie season and everyone in LA is high on him and feels connected to him because he was that, that rookie who overperformed like immensely, but Kuzma, Kuzma is a ball. Yeah, he's a gem. He's a gem guard. He's like a better version of uh, Jordan Clarkson. That's, why, that's probably why I think of them uh, interchangeably in my mind. I guess that's why I said his name. He's, he's a better Jordan Clarkson, but he's a ball dominant guard. And I think that, that's not what the Lakers need with a Rondo and a LeBron and a Lance Stevenson already on the team. They need a lengthy guy who you can put on, um, who you can put on KD occasionally and who can switch with every position and who has just incredible skill and finesse like a, uh, like an Ingram. I think that he's much more valuable in today's NBA. So that, yeah, that's why I say okay. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think that that'll do it for us today. You know, it was a pretty good show. Thank you guys for listening in today. Uh, if you have any topics you want us to talk about, you know, you can tweet at us at, uh, did we lose you, Adam? All right. Well, I can't hear you talking to him. I don't know if the podcast is still going, but I guess this is my, uh, my opportunity to close out. All right. Uh, Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, We'll be back at it again next week.